turn to the book of Jude. Book of Jude, we'll start reading in verse number 11. It says, Woe unto them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the error of Balaam, for reward and perish in the gainsaying of Kor. These are spots in your feast of charity, when they feast with you, feeding themselves without fear. Clouds they are without water, carried about of winds, trees who fruit withereth without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming out of their own shame, wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust and having their Mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Let's pray. Well, God, how it is that when we read such a passage as we read this evening, uh, really terrifying passages, it should cause us who are saved to burst out in thanksgiving at the, at the reality that we have been saved from this future wrath, as said in John chapter 5 and verse 24. And that because of the cross of Christ, we've been reconciled to you. We long for the day that we're in your presence. We long for the day that we are with you in glory. But until then, we understand all the more that we are battling against this flesh where Satan is trying to tempt us to murmur against you, where Satan is trying to tempt us to complain against you, to speak as if you somehow shorted us in this life. Help us to be reminded, Lord, that our glory rests in you, that the riches that we have in this life is the riches that we have in Christ. Lord, may we, this world never cause us to daydream about it, what it offers us. In the age of apostates, in the age of complainers, may we live as an example of believers who are completely satisfied in you. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, amen. You know, the reality is here, as we really get into verses 14 through 16, and really Enoch begins to prophesy here about this final judgment that is yet to pour out upon this world. And the reality is, is that no one likes judgment. No one even likes to hear about judgment. I can remember as a kid when my mom would leave 
she would leave my sister in charge of us. And as she would leave my sister in charge of us, how it would go is that when my mom would get home, my sister would tell all the wrong deeds that me and my brother did, and then my mom would whip us for it. No one looked forward to that, and so we got smart. So whenever my mom would get close to getting home, we would go to the bedroom and shut the door. And whenever my mom would come in the front door, we would hurry up and turn off the lights and jump into bed. We could hear our sister telling my mom all the things that we did. And when she would come into the bedroom and turn on the light, she would see us in bed. I can remember the relief I felt when she shut the door and I escaped judgment. Here Jude brings us to a place where no one will escape judgment. He brings us to a time in history that's recorded, that has been prophesied about all these ages ago, and yet is a time that is yet to come, where no apostate will go unpunished. He's already taken us down a trip down memory lane, so to say, as we looked at verses 5 and verses 6 and verse 7. And we're reminded about the angels who apostatized, and yet judgment came down upon them. He reminded us about the children of Israel who were delivered out of bondage in Egypt and how they were delivered out of bondage of Egypt and they were crossed through, brought through the Red Sea, how God provided it for them and then they began to murmur and complain against God and what? They apostatized and God brought down judgment upon them. And then he brought us to the text again, even with Sodom and Gomorrah, these people who the Bible says Sodom and Gomorrah was comparable to the garden of our Lord. It was a place of beauty, amazing beauty. Matter of fact, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1 where the gospel may not be preached that the Godhead cries out through nature. And yet they seen the reality of the beauty of God's creation and yet they turned away from it and went after their own flesh. And God brought down judgment upon them. Judgment is real. We don't like it, yet the reality is that no one talks about judgment in the whole of Scripture more than our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, the Bible says in John chapter 22 and verses 23, 5, 22 and 23, that God the Father has delegated judgment to the Son. He says there, for the father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the son, that all men should honor the son, even as they honor the father. He that honoreth not the son, honoreth not the father, which hath sent him. Now, for us, this is obviously a reminder. We already know this probably from our own studies. But for those who are saved, when we stand at the beam of seat of Christ, we're not going to be judged for our sins, but we will indeed be judged for our works. And those who are lost, they will be judged for their sins, and they will be judged at the great white throne judgment. And this is where Jude is pointing to in this final judgment that is coming for these apostates. One of the things that's often asked about judgment in this final judgment, do we believe that certain specific people will receive harsher judgments in this day of final judgment? I believe the answer is yes. I believe that's what scripture points to. A few scriptures to reference when you're kind of building your mind around this. 
Jesus constantly references to this final jet day that Enoch prophesied some 3,000 years earlier about. In Matthew chapter 11 and verses 21 and 22, he says, Woe unto thee, Chorazin, woe unto thee, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it, is, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. What an interesting statement. It'll be worse in hell for the occupants that were in Chorazan and that were in Bethsaida. It, it will be worse for the occupants of Capernaum in hell than in that pagan place of Tyre and Sidon. They were fully pagan, corrupt to the core. It'll be worse. Why? Why would it be worse? Well, this is what the Lord says. Because they were exposed to Christ. They were exposed to the Son of God. And they hardened yet their hearts. They seen the truth. They had a special enlightenment by seeing Christ. And yet their hearts were hardened. Even further on in verse 24 of John. He says, And thou, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Did you see that? Jesus says, for those people here that had seen the works that he had done amongst them, these mighty for these homosexuals
is to come upon these every knee is going to bow every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord dying at the flood was not the worst judgment dying in the wilderness is not the worst judgment being bound in the bottom of the river is not the worst judgment the final judgment when death and hell is cast into the lake of fire I mean to think about this that even all of centuries past no one will be exempt these apostates will be given a body suitable for judgment and punishment in the lake of fire no one will be exempt. Four times in verse 15, it says, they're, they're ungodly among them. They're ungodly deeds, ungodly committed, ungodly sinners have spoken against them. This word ungodly really is really to, I think it's the final emphasizing about these people. These people were impious men who held nothing sacred at all. They didn't care nothing about themselves. I mean, to think about this, these are the same men who had crept in unaware. Look how far they've fallen. Even verse 16 even brings it more to light about where they were now. They had crept in, seeming like everything was okay. And now it's they were ungodly, they were ungodly, they were ungodly, they were ungodly. They're murmurs, they're complainers. They speak their mouths with great swelling words. And they have one desire, and it is to put forth admiration for people to take advantage. These men were enemies of the Lord. They were in utter godlessness. These are murmurs, complainers, walking after their own lust and their mouth, speaking great swelling words, having men's person and admiration because of advantage. He says they, they're murmurers, they're complainers. It, this murmur means they grumbled, they, they mumbled. It wasn't in a loud tone, so to say. It wasn't that they got in the pulpit and complained against God. But to murmur means to utter with a low voice dissatisfaction with another. So they murmured in a low voice of their dissatisfaction with the Lord. They spoke with hatred. They spoke with impatience. I and mean, this is the same thing that the scribes and the Pharisees did to the Lord when he was eating with the publicans and sinners. They began to murmur against him. They again began to murmur against the Lord. In John chapter 6, when the Lord said that he was the bread of life, they began to murmur against him. This is the way of the apostates. But what is the way of the believer? Second Corinthians or First Corinthians ten ten says, Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured, and were destroyed. This is the opposition to the life of a murmur, the life of apostate. We understand as the life of believer that God is sovereignly in control.
These were murmurs. They sang the devil's hymn. The Lord cannot. The Lord will not. The Lord has not. They they blamed the Lord that he failed to deliver. They launched arrows against the Lord in hate speech, but in truth, the arrows only came down upon them. They did the Lord no harm, but they did much harm to themselves. They complained. It says they, here, they, they, these are murmurs and complainers. This word complainers means that they spoke about the condition of their life. Meaning, if you were such a good Lord, why don't I have a better bank account? If you were such a good Lord, remember, these are the same people in previous verses when we studied, they spoke against dignities. They spoke against magistrates. They spoke against these people. Why did they speak against them? It was it was bitterness. It was greed. It was their desire to be exalted. They wanted to be lifted up. They spoke against their position, the positions of people in the land because they felt that they should be exalted. What kind of God would allow me to have no money? What kind of God would not allow me to have And Joe on TV hate to pick on him, but he's a low-hanging fruit. He, the the guy right there on TV. I mean, what is he doing? He's quoting verses. He constantly makes use of God's name, and he's constantly referencing scripture. But what is it? It's void of truth. It's absent of truth. It's absent of hope. It's absent of judgment. It's absent of sin. It's absent of repentance. It, what is it? It is great swelling words to bring about inside of people joy and hope. Why? For the hope of taking advantage. And that is all this is about. Remember what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 18. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through the much wantonness, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. Even more, having men's person and admirations because of advantage. About 10 years ago, maybe longer, 12 years ago, my wife sent me on a simple task to Walmart. 
I took my two oldest sons of serenity with me. And as we were walking through the store, picking up all the things that we needed in the cart, this lady walked up to me and began to tell me this wonderful story about how she was just so uh, in love with the fact that my kids were hanging on me and that she just could tell that I was a wonderful parent and I was just eating it up. And she was just saying, wow, you know, I wish I had a dad like you. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and she goes on and on and on and on with all these things. And she turns to walk away and she says, hey, by the way, I know you got this big family here. Would you want to buy this Walmart gift card off me? I'm like, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to spend that much money anyways. She's like, here, I'll call it in and so you can see how much money's on the gift card. And my head's already like this big. And I'm like, sure, call it in. She gives me the phone. Sure enough, there's $100 on the gift card. Hey, here you go. I get all the stuff in the cart. And you know me, that was more money than I planned on spending. I bought it on a discount. So I went back to the gun aisle, got some ammo. Go down to check out. The lady goes to swipe the card. She says, insufficient funds. I said, what? She's like, insufficient funds. There was no money on the car. I had been huckleberried. What happened? The lady had puffed me up with her smooth sailing words. She had my head so big, she had spoke to me in a manner that had puffed me up. But what was her main purpose? To take advantage. That is what these apostates were doing within the church. When it says, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage, these men know how to swell you up. They know how to get before the church and say, you deserve wealth. They know how to get in front of the church and say, you deserve your best life now. They promote it so much that they write a book about it. You deserve to be rich. You deserve to have the power that's read about in the New Testament. You should be able to cast out demons. You should be able to bind Satan. You should be able to do this. You should be able to do this. You are the son of God. And they say all these things in admiration and to take advantage. And all you have to do is buy this book and drink this water from this well that I just happen to have Bible for you to buy right now. This is the reality. <laughs> this is the reality of the age in which we live. This is what Jude is coming down upon. But soon... <laughs> But soon, Jude says, just as Enoch said all these years ago, the Lord is coming with 10,000 of his saints. Don't ever think. God squared it up long ago. Matter of fact, this is the, this is the second that I'm only going to pour it out one time. And that's in the final judgment. And so Jude says to one last reminder, one last encouragement to the believers that God has not failed to judge the apostates throughout all of history. The judgment's yet to come. And when it comes, it will be a time of terror upon them. But Jude said soon it will all come to an end. Moving forward, coming in the next coming weeks from 17 on, it's, it's all about making a difference. 
It's all about finding yourself and keeping yourself in God's love. And even more, he'll challenge us. That as we look and see people who are pulled away in this foolish doctrine, as we see people who have been bamboozled with these foolish beliefs that have drawn them in, Jude will challenge the believer again. In the beginning of the chapter, he tells us to, it's a call to armor. It's a call to battle. But now he says, now that you're all suited up, now that you can pick out the characteristics of these ungodly apostates, now that you're prepared for battle, go and snatch these brands from the fire. Go and pull these people who have been drawn in by these smooth-talking sinners. So in closing here, the reminder even for all of us today is God has not fallen short. He's never been fallen short. Judgment is coming. A time of judgment is going to be executed upon all. Where all the ungodly, murmuring, complaining people who have complained against God, these people who live even in our day and age and take advantage of those who are elderly and take advantage of those who are crippled and are in need, Jude says the worst is yet to come. But in the meantime, Stop thinking so much about how wicked these apostates are and focus in on snatching those who they bamboozled from the fire. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this evening. Lord, I know that there are um, even still in this moment many out who are sick, Lord, even my family, Lord, who are still under the weather. Lord, I pray that you'll help us, Lord, that we'll all get back to full health, Lord, and long to be in your house together as a whole uh, the church as a whole, to worship and praise you, Lord. Uh, we thank you, Lord, even in this time that we've been going through of illnesses and cancer and surgeries, Lord, that uh, we thank you for the answers of comfort that we've received thus far. Uh, we praise you for that, Lord. We thank you for your loving kindness. Lord, I pray that you'll continue to work here at the Witten Place Baptist Church, not only for today, but for many years to come, Lord, far beyond my days. Lord, I give thanks to you for all that you've done in Jesus' name. Amen.